Snowgoer Live, brought to you by Snowgoer Magazine and Snowgoer.com. From sled reviews to breaking news, riding destinations to gear evaluations, Snowgoer is snowmobiling. Now, here's our host, Snowgoer Editor, John Prusak. Welcome, everybody, to Snowgoer Live, where we plan to bring you some of the most interesting people and stories in the sport of snowmobiling. With this episode, we're continuing our series of interviews with racers who were deemed to be among the top 10 snowcross racers of all time by a panel of snowcross industry insiders. Coming in at number seven on our list was Robbie Malinowski. After he moved south out of his hometown of Humboldt, Saskatchewan, he scored multiple pro victories through a long and illustrious career that included points championships, X Games medals, and the only victory ever with a four-stroke in snowcross versus a bunch of two-strokes. He joins us today from his cabinet business in Minneapolis's northern suburbs to relive some memories and get us caught up on his current life. And now let's bring in the driver of that number four, Robbie Malinowski. How you doing, Robbie? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So, uh, let, let's let's just start with it from the very beginning. How how does a kid from a relatively small town in Saskatchewan end up uh, racing snowcross more or less all over the world? Tell us about how you got into this game. Yeah, well, funny. I always raced motocross and was, uh, you know, getting to my later teens, and uh, my parents were at the point where, hey, you better start figuring things out because we can't keep for. Uh, funding this uh, motocross dream of yours. And from there it moved to, let's try some snowmobile racing and made a little bit of money one weekend and kind of looked at it like, hey, I kind of like this. I've rode snowmobiles my whole life. It's kind of fun. And uh, before I knew it, I was uh, racing down here in the US. So, you know, most of us on this side of the border, we got, uh, when we, you know the the bigger the even the bigger Canadian snowcross racers was you know maybe more over in Ontario and Quebec and stuff like that and, you know but all of a sudden both you and Blair come down out of Saskatchewan was there a pretty lively uh, race circuit community in in Saskatchewan at that era? Yeah, there was, and actually Blair's brother-in-law was the one that kind of got me started. He had a snowmobile to race, and he you know watching Blair and hearing how he was doing and making a living at it, it was uh, it was a nice little avenue. Uh, to kind of go down so there was a little circuit it was uh it was nothing crazy there was one in saskatchewan there was one in manitoba um and yeah just kind of bounced back and forth and raced whatever we could yeah okay so you so you come down here you, you you're racing semi-pro and, and you have some pretty good success right away especially what about your second or third year you were you were the the big class champion in semi-pro correct yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it went, it, it moved quickly. Uh, in 2001, we came down and did one national in Fargo. And that was awesome. I got a third and it was enough to, you know, kind of get some attention. And then we came back the following year for the whole season in the US here and, and raced it in 2002. So that was the first year Articat came out with that, the F chassis. Sure. And that was a struggle. That was a really tough year. And after that year, I didn't think anything was going to come from it. And um, Articat stuck behind me and, and yeah, in 2004 was, uh, the pro light champ. Yep. And then, uh, and then pretty quickly to pro and, uh, and you were winning right away in pro as I recall. Yeah. 2005 won, uh, as a rookie, wow, a couple three or four races. And, um, that was a little surreal. It wasn't exactly, uh, 
ready for that. I don't think, but at the same time, it was, uh, it was just, you know, it all kind of was happening one year after another and, and just kind of kept rolling with the, with the punches. Did you, did you, you know, I, I, we, we did another interview like this with uh, DJ Ekstrom and he talked about kind of, you know, when he was first lining up in pro and looking that left and right and seeing guys like, uh, like Blair Morgan and Tucker Hibbert and some of the other names he had looked up to. And suddenly he's on the line with these guys. Did you have that similar, similar thing where it was like, Whoa, I'm, I'm really here racing pro or, or did you just kind of meld in right away? You know, when I was first racing the pro light class, I did. And then when I got to pro, I was friends with Blair and, and friends with a lot of the, the other guys. It, it didn't, really affect me that much but yeah the first year i was down here just racing like a, a jamie cheney um a uh, matt jendick uh you know looking at all these guys that were pretty good uh in the pro light class yeah for sure yeah okay so um you had a lot of wins uh early on with articat you you later you know made a big benchmark win with uh, with yamaha obviously some real success uh, racing for steve shearing with skidoo what 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 are the strongest memories in your, in your brain when you look back over your racing career? What are, what are the victories that really uh, meant something to you personally? Yeah, for sure. The, uh, the national championships in 2006 were, were probably the biggest. Um, the win on the Yamaha was cool. Uh, I wish I could have won more. We were in position a few times. I felt like we could have done more, um, but just had some odd mechanicals and little things like that. Uh, but nevertheless, it was still cool to see that. Um, and then, of course, winning later in my career, like later on when I'm in my 30s, 31, uh, with uh, Shearing and having a great, you know, time there. It was kind of like the perfect uh, end of the to the career. So um, I remember, uh, um, you know, they're they're deep in your career when you had a, a couple big victories at, at Duluth. And it, and it yeah. was interesting how how you had transitioned um, from you know younger in your career you were the the big thick strong guy that was uh, you know kind of a go for it thing to to later in your career you were kind of seen as, as this ultra ambassador to the sport. Uh, do do you feel like your driving style changed or anything anything through the years? Yeah, for sure. I got a little smarter. Uh, definitely wasn't as hard on myself. I uh, was in better shape. The fitness levels. Uh, you know, kept climbing with Tucker coming back and, and really ramping his program up. It forced everybody to get better. Um, yeah. Through that, and just um, I always tell everybody, I met, I was I had racing figured out the day I retired, and it was too big. the body shut down before the mind. You know, so it was uh, it was easy at that point as uh, mentally. You know, okay. but of course, everything's every good thing has to come to an end. Let's let's jump back to that Yamaha uh, victory. You know, um, uh, to go out there on a four stroke versus all the two strokes that that was a a mighty big challenge. Did uh, when you when you you know the early races when you're starting that program, are you like, oh my god, what did I sign up for? Or well, what is that like when you're racing a machine that? And nothing against Yamaha, they build tremendous machines, but that just the whole four stroke thing is a big jump. Yeah, and a little bit of it was. Uh uh arrogance on my behalf i didn't think anything could stop me i thought i was basically just able to hand anything that was thrown at me and you know i was young enough and brash enough to take care of that and, and go after yeah. it and, and once i did it was sorry phone ringing here uh <laughs> when i did get after uh or get that win it was it was 
nice and, and uh, relaxed the the whole tenseness. But at the same time, I felt like, okay. Now I got to go after it even more because I want to back it up and I want to make it sure people don't think it was a fluke. Yeah, I just yeah. remember you know being a. Uh, a snowmobile media clown when when I and I happen to not be at that race, but when when that when news came out that that of that victory, that was like a head turning thing. It was like somebody won on a four stroke against a two stroke. Right. That doesn't even seem possible. I mean, in, in the dirt bike world, there there certainly has been a transition, but in the snowmobile world, I, I never thought we would see that. Right. Yeah, and I mean, there was a lot of good things about that program and that sled and the motor and everything. Uh, I don't think it ever got to you never got to see the full potential of it all uh, yeah. but it was uh it was cool it was interesting it's always fun when you got some um ingenuity going like that you know it's pretty stagnant since then i don't believe there has been a ton of um you know things like that since then so so looking back in your career what what uh, what are, what what are the what are the 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 best parts of of being a professional snowcross racer during that era and what are the what are the parts that were the the, the most difficult or the most work yeah, for sure. The, well, the fun part was, you know, you were getting paid to go ride your snowmobile. So you, if yeah. you keep that in mind, that was always a lot of fun. Um, probably the hardest thing was just the pressure, the, the pressure you put on yourself. Um, I don't think people realize that the minute you wake up in the morning to the minute you go to sleep, everything you're thinking about is how is this going to make me better at racing? And uh, that wears on you. You can definitely feel it. And it shortens your probably your racing career, your life a little bit because it's just a, it's a pressure cooker. Especially once you get to that top level, uh, you want to always be there and stay there, and you're always looking over your shoulder of who's coming and who's maybe you know trying to knock you down. Right. Yeah, I can understand that. So talk about uh, the, the retirement and the transition into the trailer. So you, you go from the track to the trailer. What, what made you retire and what was that like to, to rechannel that competitive spirit that you had to have to be a good snowcross or great snowcross racer and then put that into the trailer? Yeah, it was a easy transition as far as going to the trailer because that's what I knew. I was always very involved with the slow and the setups and, you know, um, preparation of that side so i just got to kind of extend that and go away from the training and more into the uh mechanical side and i enjoyed it it was fun it was a lot of fun i had a great opportunity with late motorsports and um spent uh three years there with them and yeah we built some really cool stuff got the uh creative juices flowing we did some cool parts and kind of changed the game a little bit as far as we could with, uh, you know, the stuff that we were putting on the snowmobile. So uh, earlier this year, you, you created some videos with the ISOC crew previewing the season and stuff. Uh, talk mm -hmm. about how you're, you know, how you're touching the sport now. Are you, are you still involved in, in various different ways? Yeah. The last, uh, eight or sorry, last six rounds, I helped, uh, design and build the tracks for ISOC and, okay. uh, it was a lot of fun. Got to run around, uh, make sure we got the lips of the jumps just right, the landings, the rhythm sections, you know, corners setting up, uh, just trying to make it a little more racy and really kind of uh, show everybody how good these guys are and how good these machines are and what they can handle. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was it was a lot of work. Um, I hope I wasn't as whiny as some of these racers are, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I get it. And uh, yeah, it was it was good though. It was a lot of fun. 
So how do you think the sport has changed since, uh, you know, since let's say the center of your career, you know, from say, I don't know, 2005, 2006 to, to today, um, how, how has the sport evolved from your perspective? It's a little more, um, I guess, specialized. Everybody is, they, they don't ride for fun anymore. They don't do anything but just practice laps and train at the gym. Um, and yeah, it's just, it, it's more business. Uh, and it's more competitive. I think there's, there's more, uh, people, more riders coming from, uh, Europe and from Finland and Sweden and everything. So it's a, it's definitely a little bit more competitive on the very top, uh, more depth. So it's, it's, it's just a little bit more fine, sharpened knife kind of, kind of deal. Yeah. It was interesting in putting this, uh, uh, top 10 list together that we did just, um, people's different perspectives on how uh, how um, Elias Ishuel compares to a uh, Tucker Hibbert or and then how that compares to a Kirk Hibbert you know the 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 machines evolve so much the riding styles evolve so much that you know when you're comparing people in, in this sport over 30 years it's uh, uh, certainly yeah. they, you know even the the competition is different it's just it just everything evolves yeah absolutely yeah no there's no doubt I mean Elias is able to do I didn't think we'd see uh, that after Tucker left, and I mean, he, here he is at, at four titles, and and it doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime soon. And uh, yeah, he's definitely in the top top two, three for sure. It's been fun when putting together this list. Um, and you, you, the sleds you rode were somewhere in the middle, obviously. But you know, looking back at the sleds that they were racing in the '90s, which at the time were the best machines that were available, but you see those things land, and it's like a bag of cement coming off of each jump. You know, they're they're landing hard, man. And then oh, now yeah. you see them, and they kind of skim over stuff. It's just a, it's a it's a different game. But now they're going a lot faster. So that's just again yeah. evolution. Yeah, there's a few parts that have really transcended the sport and, and one of them being like a, a slip gear or slip axle or whatever um back in the day we always would break chains and belts and everything yeah. else if you did that stuff so having that thing so durable that it doesn't fall apart on you <laughs> is uh really changed the game yeah so if if you had advice for yourself looking back or for uh, somebody who's new to the sport what 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 uh, what advice would you have for somebody or or your old self uh, getting involved in in snowcross at a young age today? Um, just enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, don't 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 think that it's gonna uh, get any easier. Um, you got to really enjoy <laughs> it first and get after it, and then work as hard as you can. Never, uh, and that's just kind of in life and everything. Um, never do anything. Yeah. I guess happen. It's go for it as hard as you can, and then. I guess at the end of the day, always rest on the fact that you tried your hardest and uh, win or lose, it was all you could uh, moment. That really ties into something you had said earlier about how, you know, every waking hour you're thinking of how does this make me better, faster, more able to chase checkered flags. I mean, what, what for somebody um, who's, you know, not even a racer, just a fan, what, what would they maybe not understand about what it takes to be a top level pro rider? I think the, the hardest thing for everybody that has never been in a position would be the um, just trying to control all the emotions, all the um, fears, because believe it or not, the the fears are real when you're sitting on that starting line. Um, and just kind of getting all the, um, you know, emotions, everything, all those feelings put together and being able to compete at the green light, 
you know, and that's um, never easy. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, whether it's snowcross racing, motocross racing, or, you know, professional hockey or football or whatever it is, a lot of times it's, it's, it's self-belief. It's I, that you think you can do it. So then you have a better shot of doing it. If there's self-doubt creeping in all the time, that, that makes it a hell of a lot harder. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of that is controlled by preparation. So I always remember, um, it was a 2007, I think it was on the Yamaha. My dad and my others both came to, uh, X games and we're sitting there and there was a lot of pressure and, and, you know, first time for stroke at the X games and, stuff like that and we just won so it wasn't too long after that we were at, at the x games and, and my dad i remember my dad saying that he can't believe how much pressure you're under and i didn't even at that moment i was just numb to it i didn't even think about it i was yeah. just easy to or able to just kind of go on with through my day and he i remember him saying that to me after and i was just like yeah you're right it, it was a lot of pressure but you you numb yourself to it pretty uh pretty quick I suppose. So how would you like people to remember Robbie Malinowski, the racer? Uh, you know, always trying my hardest and uh, was never the fastest guy all the time. I was always trying my hardest and, and it's kind of like a, a blue collar kind of racer. There's no doubt I had um, some good moments, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, I was just really loved it and tried my hardest. All right. Well, then to, to wrap it up here, uh, let's give people a, an update on your life today. What's, uh, what, what do you do for work, for family? What's, what's, the, what's Robbie doing today? Yeah, no, I, uh, I run a um, commercial cabinetry business, uh, CTB, you can see here. Uh, we take care of uh, pretty much anything from schools to hospitals um, and, and smaller jobs from that. Um, yeah, we've got two kids, boy and a girl. My boy is really into motocross. My daughter's into riding horses. And I, um, yeah, I still ride motocross a lot. I don't ride a lot of snowmobiles, just hasn't okay. worked out. But uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time chasing my kids around and, and running a business. Think we're going to see that son of yours in the track someday, or you think he'll you stick to bikes? Know. Yeah, yeah, you never know. You know he, he sure like, likes taking now uh, after his dad for sure so we'll see what happens perfect all right well thanks for joining us again and and again congratulations in the top 10 it's uh, it was a uh, crew of industry insiders who who uh, voted on our our official top 10 and uh, you were on the vast majority of lists and uh and pretty high up on a lot of those lists so congratulations on a, on a really good career and it was great catching up with you right on thank you very much